beautiful day good morning today i'm going to be talking about the word that god gave me and many others for 2022 and it was the word that he lays a table for us in the presence of our enemy you know friends every year and i've said this before if you've watched me regularly i always ask god what is the year for the for the word for the new year and every year he's so kindly just gives me the word and I hold on to that the whole year and I watch him unfold his plan and I'm not shaken and I'm not surprised by what's happening and then I go into the word and I study it and so today I want to share it with you the word for 2022 the word of for the forerunners number one word forerunner that have come through the valley of the shadow of death there are still other people coming through and I want to encourage you, if you're still finding yourself in that valley of the shadow of death, and he said that in the valley of the shadow of death, all he wanted us to discover were three things. We would face our fears. We would face death. We would be desperately shaken. Things would be removed that he didn't want in our lives. Everything is going to be removed that he doesn't want in our lives. And we would have three things. We would have him get to know him more. We would have his rod. His authority that would protect us against the enemy, against the spirits of fear and death that were going to try and come against us, against the spirit of offense that was going to come against us. And we would have his staff, his shepherding heart, his care, his nurturing, his love for us. And he was going to lead us through. And friends, the valley of the shadow of death is a place to walk through, not to stop, not to stand, not to sit and not to try and find a side door. You have to walk through it. And as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 2022 was the year that he was going to lead people into the place that he had prepared for them. And the Bible says he prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Friends, please know the enemy is going nowhere. Right as it's looming over you, watching you, trying to intimidate you, trying to, and I want to say this, so many people have been intimidated by the enemy in this time, and they are folding because they feel intimidated. Don't you dare allow a spirit of intimidation to weaken who you are in Jesus Christ. This is the time, friends, as we walk through that valley, as you've been stripped of everything, but your incredible, unshakable faith in him. This is a time to say, I know my God and I will not be intimidated. And as the enemy looms and intimidates and growls and, and roars like a lion, but it's erect with a megaphone. We need to take our eyes off what the enemy's doing. And we need to look and see what Jesus has been doing. And friends, he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemy. He anoints our head. There's a whole fresh new anointing that he's about to pour out on people. A fresh new anointing, a new ability, a new ease, a new fragrance, a new fire, a new grace, a new anointing for bigger and better and greater things in him. I am weak. He is strong. In you, Christ Jesus, I can do anything. In me, I'm just a pleb. But in you... I am fearless. I am victorious. I cannot be shaken. And I will enter the world in the next season of my life, friends, not as me, little pleb, but as him, the roaring lion in the tribe of Judah that will not be shaken, that is preparing his sons and his daughters to rise up in a new authority. 
So he sets a table for us in the presence of our enemy. He anoints our heads with oil. And then it says, my cup will overflow. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I've broken it down a bit and I would like to look at it individually. Number one, what does the word anointing mean? Well, the word anointing from the Old Testament literally means this, to remove ashes. Friends, he's removing the ashes of the old. Remember, Isaiah says that he takes out ashes and he makes them beautiful. Friends, stop looking at the ashes of yesterday. Stop looking at yesterday. Yesterday is dead and gone. Don't resurrect that which is dead. It stinks. And he takes those ashes of where we've been. And he transforms them into the beauty of who you are and who you're still going to be. And so as you come to this place that he has prepared for you, but he's also positioning you. You know, the Bible says, don't go sit in the front. Go sit in the back and let the bridegroom position you. He's positioning you. He's giving you your place of honor in his presence, friends. And he's removing the ashes. It means to grow fat. And most ladies don't like to know that. But that means to grow spiritually fat. To be so full of who he is in you. That you are absolutely bulging with the fullness of the anointing that God has given you. You know, right throughout the ages, fatness has always been related to richness, wealth and, and, and pleasure. And being um, rich and be able to afford it. Men used to like their women to be well-rounded because it showed everybody else that they were well looked after. And in the modern society we live in, they want people to look anorexic. Well, that's a little bit of a picture of a spiritual realm as well. Women and men are looking anorexic spiritually and trying to survive when God says, I want to grow you fat. I want to grow you spiritually fat. Your own revelation of my word, your own revelation of my spirit, your own revelation of who I am in you and who you are in me. I want you to be bulging in your spirit for me. It also means to be prosperous. You know, friends, it says that Jesus comes to give us life and life in abundance. He has not come to give us a life of misery, lack, and punishment. That God is not our God. That God is this enemy. It's Satan. It's the God of religion. And too many people have worshipped him. I did for a long time. Worship the God of punishment, the God of nothing, the God of lack, the God that makes you suffer so that he can shine. That's not our God. Jesus, our Father, is good. He's love. He's spirit. Jesus comes to give life and life in abundance. That means life in your physical realm. Good long life. Life in your spirit, man. Life in your soul. It is well with my soul. No matter what problems come, it is well with my soul. David regularly said, hey, soul, why are you so downcast? Put your trust in God. And friends, it's time that we come into that place of it going well with our souls. And the overflow of a person who is well, who is an abundant life, physically, spiritually, emotionally. It has to overflow physically into, the, into finances and into the life that you're living around you. And friends, if you're still living with fear and you're still living with limitations and you're still serving the God of punishment, then don't be surprised if you're battling financially. 
Because we cannot receive from a, an abundant God who's pouring out his love. When our hearts are thinking with abandonment, rejection and serving and looking in the wrong direction. And that God, that God is all about striving and proving who I am. This God is all about receiving who he is. And that's what he wants us to learn, friends. It means to fatten ourselves on the Lord's sword. Fatten yourself in the word of God. The word cup means to overflow with wealth and saturation. That's the second promise of overflow. It's the second promise of saying you will just overflow with well, with a well of abundance. Friends, he's not coming to give us a half-filled cup. He's coming that as we spend time with him, he's just going to pour and pour and pour and pour until it all pours out of us. And you know the most amazing thing about an overflowing cup? You don't have to try when your cup is so full, when your spirit is so full, when your soul is so full of the God that you love and the God that you serve, you just people just have to touch you and ooh, what pours out of you? Well, the Bible says, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Friends, people are saying, I'm looking for my glory. I'm looking for my blessing because God's a God of blessing. I'm looking for where my blessing is, for where the goodness is. Friends, the goodness is going to be you. You've arrived. You are the goodness of God. You are the one that's come to give the fullness of goodness and mercy into the lives of those that you meet and those that you see. You are the gift of God. And the word goodness means pleasant of high nature. It means having the very nature of God. It means Galatians 5.22 pours out of you the nine fruits of the Spirit. Love. That you love unconditionally. Mercy, kindness, goodness, self-control, all those things just pour out of you. Meekness. And that when people meet you, they feel alive because they've met you. When people meet you, they look in your eyes and they see Jesus. They, they, they come into a circle of warmth that you've created. They come into a circle of peace that you've created. You arrive and the atmosphere changes. You arrive and suddenly the depressed can't be depressed anymore because a bubble of sunlight and sunshine and joy has moved into that place. Friends, don't look to receive these things. Look to be these things. Goodness, mercy. And friends, the mercy doesn't mean pity. Pity doesn't, has never helped anyone in their lives. Pity means I feel so de desperately sorry for you. I'm just going to sit in the pit with you and together we'll both be in misery. Mercy, the mercy that God has as he comes and he helps us out of a pit. It was God's mercy that anointed Jesus to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to release from darkness those that are in prison. And how do you release somebody from darkness that's in prison? You've got to show them what prison looks like. So that you can show them what light looks like. So that you can say, welcome to my world. How do you help someone that's captive? You've got to take the blindfolds off their eyes. And I want to tell you something. It's not pleasant sometimes when you've got to look at the deception that's kept you in misery. It's not pleasant when somebody says to you, all of this is actually self-pity and you are a victim. That's your cage. It's not pleasant. But it's mercy. It's mercy because mercy says, this is the bondage that you are under. Let me help you to take it off you. Oh, but I feel so insecure. I've been sitting in this, this misery pit for so many years. I've had so many people tell me I've got a condition. 
and then I should be miserable. Well, they've just jumped into your pit with you and you're all sitting miserable together. But when Jesus comes, he comes to give us life and life in abundance. And he says, no, 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 no. That's not going to work. Take it off. And he gives you a hand and he pulls you out of that pit of misery. He pulls you out of that blindness and that bondage. And he shows you what freedom and the beauty and the life and the goodness and the kindness and the excitement of God looks like. Friends, you are the vessel of goodness and mercy. He says it's going to follow you. So he says, I've positioned you. I've got a new place for you. You've gone through this. I've tested you. You've passed the test. You didn't sit down. You didn't find an escape route. And you did not for one moment give up. You have done it. Well done. Well done. Well done. But Kathy, it was so hard. It was intended to be hard. You had to look at your own limitations. It was intended to be hard. You had to look at the things you'd put your faith in. You put your faith in a, a paycheck. You put your faith in another person to make you happy. You put your faith in a whole lot of things. But you haven't put your faith in the lover of your soul. But you've done it. Well done. You've done it. And now he says, I'm positioning you. I'm going to pour another level of anointing over you. I'm going to lead you into becoming fat spiritually. I'm going to take away your ashes. I'm going to cause you to prosper body, soul, and spirit. And I'm going to fatten you in my word. That's what the word anoint means. Until your cup overflows. Until you've got so much that you are just a bubbling brook of joy and excitement and love and peace. So that wherever you go, people find goodness because you're there. People find mercy because you're there. And because of that, friends, he's inviting us to live in that place forever and ever and ever. Remember I told you, the enemy's not going anywhere. Stop looking at the circumstances and qualify your misery because of circumstances. The enemy's not going anywhere. Take your eyes off the enemy and put your eyes on Jesus. And so that's what he's going to give us. But where's it going to come from? It's going to come from sitting at his table. And you know, I've been so excited as I've studied this word because um, God just told me so much. An overflow comes with ease. There's no striving. There's no trying to impress anybody. It's just, this is who I am. This is what I got. If you love it, have it. If you don't love it, I'm moving on to somebody that does. That's what it is. It's not trying to prove anything to anybody. Friends, your anointing, this fresh new anointing is going to make a way for you. Celebrate with people that celebrate you. And people that cannot celebrate you, they haven't worked through their own valley of shadow of death yet. Leave them. They're on a journey. Let them finish it with him. And now I have to get to talking about the table. I cannot tell you how excited I am with what Jesus was teaching me. As I said to him, but what does it mean to sit at your table? You know, initially when he gave me the word, I just thought, that's wonderful. I will be sitting feasting with Jesus. It's all these wonderful foods. And I know food always represents spiritual food. It's all this wonderful food, Jesus. It's so wonderful. And my, and my wine goblet, my cup is going to be so full of the wine that you've got for me. It's just going to overflow. Well, it is the wine. It's his Holy Spirit that's going to overflow your cup. And that's true. 
but he started revealing something much deeper to me friends you know that word table it's from h7979 easy number to remember in the strong spawn cordons <clears throat> and i'm not going to say this right so i'm not, not going to try very hard but it means shulkan s-h-u-l-c-h-a-n shulkan or shulshan and that word shulshan comes from the original word which is shal luck s-h-a-l-a-c-h shalach shalach those so the one is taken out of the other one so what does shalach mean well shalach means putting away shalach is the word that malachi 2 speaks of it says in malachi 2 for the lord your god said he hates the putting away for one covers violence with his garments, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed in your spirit that you do not deal treacherously with the wife of your youth. So in Malachi, when Jesus is rebuking the man, the husband, and he says, you come to my altar, you are weeping and you wailing at my altar. You're wondering why I'm not answering your prayers. I want to tell you why I'm not answering your prayers. Because you have been putting your wife away. God hates the putting away. Modern, modern Bibles use the word divorce for that, but that's not what it means. It means a wife abandoning his, a husband abandoning his wife emotionally, physically, financially, and spiritually. It means a husband not using the garment that he's been given to provide for, to protect, and to promote his wife and his family. That garment of authority, which is the authority in the spirit realm, it's not domination, it's not control, and it's not manipulation. In fact, a husband that understands godly authority lays his life down for his family. He doesn't sit there saying, serve me, I'm the king of the castle, and you are all there to do what I say. That's an abomination to God. And that was the curse. But Jesus came to break the curse. And he said, husbands, I have a responsibility for you. You have to treat your wives the way that I treat my bride. You have to love her. It says in Ephesians 5 verse 22, 25, Husbands, love your wife as Christ gave himself up for her, making her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant, glorious bride, without spot or blemish, but holy and blameless, in the same way a husband ought to love their wives as their own body. And you know what he was saying in Ephesians? He was saying, this is the way that I love my bride. This is the way that I love every single person individually that is special to me. This is the way that I treat my treasure. And he says, husbands, I'm giving you permission to love your wife, my treasure, in the same way. Lay your life down for her. Love her so that she can be holy. Friends, it, it saddens my heart desperately. How many people get married just purely for sex? When sex is meant to be the absolute fullness of the completion of worship in purity between a man and a woman representing our worship before the Father. And then they treat their wives as baggage that just has to be there. And he says, when you treat your wife like that, you're representing to her someone that I am not. 
And you know, many, many years ago, I heard somebody say, any woman that's treated well will love whoever is treating her well. And if you find a woman that's not being treated well, she will go looking for that or she will try and find that in some other form or other, other shape. She will find something else to try and meet that emotional need within her because God created a man to meet the emotional, the physical and the, and the mental and the spiritual needs of his wife so that the children can come into full blessing. Then he puts a wife there to complete him and to help him that together they can be successful, to be powerful, and there can be no way the enemy can come into this incredibly powerful team, that together they can fulfill the fullness of the promotion of God on both, the calling of God on both their lives. Because they both individually called, and they both individually destined, and together they fulfill their own individual destiny together. So they create this incredible bond that cannot be shaken. Where two or more agree, it is established. And we have a, a, a threefold cord that cannot be broken. Husband, wife, and God. And he says, you've not treated your wife like that. You've put her away. The word putting away means this. It means to send her away physically, emotionally, financially. To let her go, not to protect her. Not to fight for her. To listen to the voice of your old family which you should have broken and left. To listen to the voice of friends. To have more of a connection with friends than you do with this incredibly precious unity that God has got. To push her away. To lose her. Or to forsake her. And friends, that is not divorcing her. That is telling her, you're not my first choice. That is treating her badly. Because you don't know how to control your emotions. That is putting her in a position where she has to try and fend for herself. No woman was created to have to fend for themselves. They were created to be protected in the spirit realm, friends. I'm talking about spiritually. When a husband's in the home, he is the authority against darkness. So when a husband takes his rightful place, he is a protection in his home against the enemy's attack. He's also the one that creates provision in the home, the foundation for everybody to flourish. And he's also the one anointed to bring every single person, wife and children, into the fullness of their anointing as men and women of God. That is why the Father's blessing is so incredibly powerful. A father gives his, their identity to their son and to their daughter. And when a father doesn't treasure his children... And he doesn't teach them well. And he doesn't train them well. And he doesn't equip them well. And he doesn't speak kindly to them. And he doesn't bring out their value. You know, God takes up us in bro as broken vessels. And he calls out our value until we believe that. And he removes the ashes. And that's why discipline is a greater form of love. Because if you love somebody, you will help them break free of the limitations that's causing them to behave badly. And so the putting away means... I live for myself, I live for my pleasure, I live for what pleases me, you don't please me. So I'm just emotionally abandoning you. Some people financially abandon their wives, you get your own income, you do your own thing, this is my money, you, you cannot know what I earn, this is my money, that's not true, it's not your money. You've been anointed before God to be the one that, that serves the whole family so that they can live well, so that they can do greater things. And everything about God is to becoming one. It's your body. Your wife is an extension of your body. You wouldn't treat your body like that. You don't treat your wife like that. 
And I'm not for one minute saying that wives are just little victims that sit there and that they don't have a part to play in the breakaway and in the, in the brokenness. That's not my picture at all. My picture is that when a husband behaves like Jesus in a marriage and he covers his wife and he loves his wife and he treasures his wife and he treats her like somebody that's incredibly important to Jesus and therefore she's important to him. That whole family flourishes. Sons get their identity as gentlemen that know how to treat women special, that know how to go into the world and behave kindly to other people, not arrogant, narcissistic men. And daughters get their identity that says, I'm treasure, I'm special. And I don't have to give my body to every Tom, Dick and Larry that happens to hang around. I don't have to look for a confused gender and identity because I don't know who I am, because my father positioned me with my identity. I am a treasure. I'm a woman. I have worth. I am beautiful. I don't have to be skinny and, and look like a picture of a model to have self-worth. I am beautiful just as I am in my unique identity of everything that I am. And I am multifaceted and I can be everything confidently because my dad gave me my identity. A mother is meant to teach a family about nurturing and caring and having a home that they can always come and nest in. But a father gives identity, protection, a foundation of provision and releases everybody into the fullness of their potential. God said, I hate a putting away. The end result of a putting away is often divorce. It's not divorce God hates, friends, because that's just the fruit of what happened before that. He hates the putting away. Now out of that incredibly broken picture, and then he says, I hate it when you treat your wife treacherously. And the word treacherously means this. It means faithless, deceitful, offended, unfaithful. You've pillaged her. You've stolen her. You've stolen from her her youth. You've stolen from her her value. You've stolen from her her worth. Treacherous means to be a traitor, to be deceptive, and to be disloyal. God says the putting away means you've treated her treacherously. I hate that. It also says that um, you cover her with violence with your garment. That garment of protection and love and, and provision and promotion you've used for violence. And the word violence means to do wrong, to be false, to be cruel, to be oppressive, to have injustice, to be unrighteous, to do damage, to be violent. Now that is the word, the broken word. Remember, he said, I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to remove your ashes. Friends, the putting away is truly what most women have lived. They've been rejected many times by their father. They've married a man that has treated them badly and has never understood what it means to truly love them the way Jesus does. They've known abandonment and with the end result, they are broken vessels. And there are men that have experienced exactly the same thing. They were rejected by their father. They were abandoned. They never understood their own worth. They never understood what it meant to be nurtured into the fullness and the wholeness of who they are. They are living under the term putting away. They are living broken, 
damaged. So many fathers think that the way that you deal with things is cruelty. I will break you down so that you can find your worth. The army did that for years and years and years. They told you what a nothing you were so that you can find your worth. Friends, people don't find their worth if you tell them they're nothing. They find your, their worth when you say inside of that little broken heart, I see treasure. And you call treasure out of them, friends. That's how they find their worth. God said, I hate the putting away. That's a strong word coming from God. So many people say God hates divorce, so live like hell because he hates divorce. No, friends, he, lives, he hates the hell that you're living in. That's what he hates. And so it's really important that we understand that so that we can understand what table means. The word table means the king's table. It means a table that's been set aside for private use. It means a sacred place. So he says, <clears throat> that's what you've come out of. And I'm going to take out of that and make something new. Out of the putting away, I'm establishing a table for you. A table that's private use is just for you and me. A table that's my table, a king's table, where only the greatest treasure can be. A sacred place. You know, friends, I, I thought that the treasure that he was giving was being able to feast at the table. I'm sorry. provision for all of our needs it's the king's table and friends he has invited you those that have gone through the shaking those that have walked no matter how hard it was those that have walked no matter how incredibly intense it was and they did not give up and I want to encourage every one of you that might still find themselves in that place don't give up don't stop don't look for an escape route. Don't think what's wrong with me. I'm the only one. No, you're not. Everyone that's been chosen for this next new era is going through that. You have to go through that. Because on the other side, there is a brand new anointing. On the other side, there's a new freedom. And on the other side, you are going to be his fragrance wherever you go, friends. In that place of being at the table that private place at the king's table, which is holy ground. He wants us to get to know him like we've never known him before. He wants us to be able to sense him with all of our senses. You know, he wants, 
when he walks into the room, you can smell that he's arrived. He's got his perfume. He's got his smell. He's got his, he's got his odor. It's just the most beautiful smell. When Jesus comes, you smell roses or you smell the lily of the valley. You smell, you can smell that the presence of the lover of your soul has walked into the room. And he wants to fill you until you are oozing with everything that he is. The result of coming into his presence is getting to know him more. To know him is to love him. To know, know, know you is to love, love, love you. Just to see you smile makes my life worthwhile. To know, know you is to love, love you, and I do. Oh, friends, it's falling in love with the one that loves you so much. With the one that laid down his life for you. With the one that had you in his vision when he was hanging, bleeding, beaten, dying on that cross. And for the one that when he rose again, he said, I can't wait for them to meet me. He loves you. And everything that's part of the falling away, he said, I've taken part of that very essence and I'm creating a new place that's called my table. And friends, he's invited us to come and sit at his table. And the result of sitting at his table, where we can see him, where we can smell him, where we can encounter him, where we can hear his voice, where we enter into heaven's atmosphere of peace, is that we start walking and living in peace. And that's the peace that you can leave behind you when it says, the Bible says, leave your peace behind. Because where you are, peace is. And you can leave it behind. And if the, air, if the environment's toxic and they don't receive your peace, take it with you. But don't you dare lose it. Just go in peace. He's taking away every single facet and ability and drive and opinion of man that causes people to strive. There's no striving, friends. You're just going to hold your cup full and it's just going to pour out of you, pour out of you, pour out of you love and peace and goodness and the most glorious revelation of you are just a saturated walking version of the lover of your soul. It's living one day at a time, not fearing tomorrow because he's got today. He said, I will lead you and give you everything that you need for that day. Anxiety and stress comes when we start looking at tomorrow. We have no grace for tomorrow. We have no answers for tomorrow. We have no stamina for tomorrow. So many people have said to me, if you don't do this and this, you won't be able to travel. You won't be able to do the things that you love to do so much. And I said, you know what? I'm not there yet. I have my God today. And today I have everything I need. And today I'm living and being obedient to what he's told me to do today. If you want to worry about tomorrow, that's your problem. I'm living today. And I want to tell you, friends, we start living in the peace of today. What if tomorrow never comes and you've worried all this time today? You've lost the joy, the peace, the delight, and the grace for today on something that has never happened. It's living full of faith. You know, I can honestly tell you when God says it, I believe it, that settles it. I don't doubt it. God said it, it's going to happen. I don't doubt it. I don't even wonder when it's going to happen. I don't try and fathom it out because this little pea brain 
is nowhere near as big as his almighty head. And I cannot even try and fathom it. God said it. I believe it. It's going to happen. There you go. Full of love. Overflowing. 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 You can look into the eyes of the hurting and the desperate. And you can love them. No matter who they are. What they look like. And how terrible they are. But you also have eyes to see into hearts. You can see hearts of desperation. You can see hearts that want help. And you can see hardened hearts that refuse to change. No matter how much help they are offered. And we've got to have the discernment to realize that. Full of grace. There's an incredible capacity to be patient with people. So what if they're angry? So what if they're nasty? So what? They've got the problem, not you. Don't let their problem overflow and steal your peace. Full of stamina. And friends, as you get older, you have less energy. But he doesn't want you to have energy. That comes from self. He wants you to have stamina. That's a gift that comes from him. And he gives you the stamina that you need for everything he wants you to do that day. Full of courage. You are serving a lion, a roaring lion, the almighty God, the controller and the owner and the authority of the whole universe. That nothing can happen lest he says it can. And no matter how big the devil seems and no matter how big people think they are and no matter how powerful they think they are, it literally takes him just moving it to a little picky and everything will change because he is almighty and you are serving him. I want to tell you, you can have great courage because if God said it, it's going to happen no matter how much the enemy is intimidating you, showing his teeth at you. And I just love it. That's all he can do is show his teeth. That's all he can do. So you've got the courage to rise up as an unshakable man or woman of God and to say, I'm not putting up with that. That's not happening because my God says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that thinks he can stand against my God? Full of zeal. Full of zeal. You know, I can honestly say, friends, I've been a Christian a long, long time. I got born again trying to commit suicide. I had another radical encounter at the age of 20. And I have never, ever lost my passion, my zeal, and my fire for God. I've grown in maturity. I've grown in breaking free of insecurities. I've grown in, in the stupid, unwise things that you do as a, as, as a young um, teenage Christian. But the zeal, the fire, the passion, the burn inside of me that says, my God is true. He's powerful. He is glorious. And he is who he says he is, has never changed. I cannot fall out of love with someone I know intimately. People that, that backslide and fall away, they knew his family. And most of them weren't that good an example. They're called Christians. They knew in a religion, and it was very limiting, and they got tired of it. But so few of them knew Jesus. Friends, this is your time. This is your moment. He has prepared a place for you, a table, a secret place, a private place where it's just you and him. It's sacred, and he wants you. He's inviting you. To come into that incredible place that he's prepared for you. Because it's not just for what you're going to receive by getting to know him. It's going to be who you are when you walk out of there. And that's why he's prepared this place for you. It's being free to be everything you were created to be. It's to do whatever he created you to do. And it's only doing what he tells you to do. You know, along my journey of being a woman called of God to minister the word, 
of being a prophet teacher, I have known much resistance. And there have been many, many people that have repeatedly said to me, you know, God says you may not be a woman in ministry. And I always smile at that because number one, they're quoting the word wrong. And number two, they weren't there the day he called me. And they weren't there the day he anointed me. And they weren't there the day he started using me. And I don't need his, their permission. And I don't need a platform. I just need to overflow. And you know what happens when you overflow with your anointing and you overflow with love and you overflow in being who you are? People gather. People want it. They want to drink at the well of your overflowing so that they can find the well of their own overflowing. And I just smile and I think, well, I'm sorry that you're restricted in your thinking, but I'm just going to keep overflowing. Because one day when I stand before the Father, friends, and this is whatever He's asked you to do, one day when you stand before the Father, how many of those voices that have caused such fear of man in your life are going to be there when you stand before the Father? And He's going to say, Sue, John, Michael, Christopher, Anna, this is what I had planned for you. This is what I was teaching you. Why didn't you do it? Friends, that's the voice that matters to me. I don't have to prove anything. I don't have to fight anybody. I don't have to worry about it. I will just keep overflowing with him until one day when I stand before him, he says, Kath, well done. You've done what I called you to do. Friends, this is the hour of the greatest intimacy we've ever known as individuals and as the bride of Christ. He is desperately desiring to pour out a new anointing. And it's the anointing that the apostles walked in. It's the anointing of sonship that where you go, even your shadow heals people. That where you go, the supernatural happens. That where you go, glory is manifest. Not because of you, but because you've come from the table. And it just oozes out of you. And that's what he's called us to be and to do. But friends, there's a condition. You have to go to the table. And I want to say to you, just because things are going better, and just because you've come out of the valley, please don't move back into self-effort striving and thinking it's all about you. Just go to him and say, show me and teach me because that's what he's wanting us to do. And I wanna say this to you, how do we sit at the table? Well, number one, worship him. Don't sing about him. Don't talk about my God is an awesome God because that means you're telling other people. Worship him. God, I love you. You're amazing. You're glorious. When I stand in your presence, I'm in awe at your goodness. I'm in awe at who you are. And you just see yourself dancing with him and loving him and worshiping him and telling him how incredibly wonderful it is to serve him. Worship is all about you and him. It's the intimacy of being in the, your lover's arms, being held by him and adoring him. And that's what worship is, adoring our incredible Jesus. And then, friends, you be quiet. He's not needing your shopping list of needs. He knows all your needs. When he says pray without ceasing, every time you have a need, you send it up to him quickly. 
God, I have a need, I have a need. He knows them. Chuck that shopping list away. So many people say, I spend hours before God. No, you don't. You spend hours with the shopping list before Father Christmas. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. And you see God as Father Christmas saying, naughty list, niceness. If you're on the good list, I'm going to bless you. If you're on the naughty list, well, you're going to be punished. Chuck away your Father Christmas God. Chuck away your shopping list. And just come in His presence. Give time every day, even if it's just a little time, five, ten minutes. Just love Him. And then be very quiet. And listen. And He's going to speak into your spirit. And He's going to show you things. He's going to show you things to read. He's going to tell you what to do. He's going to show you things. And the more you spend time listening, the more you're going to hear His voice. And then you're going to start being able to smell Him. And then you're going to be able to encounter Him. Because all five of your spiritual senses will be open to Jesus. And friends, don't waste the five spiritual senses looking for heavenly beings. Look for the lover of your soul. His servants, the angels, will come where He is. Don't spend your time trying to worry about that. Go to the one that wants you to rise up as the, the bride for the bridegroom and let him teach you. He's inviting us to take a position at the secret place, the sacred place, the private place called the king's table. He's inviting us to allow him to fill us to overflowing He's inviting us to use the sword of his word to make us fat. But we have to learn that our communication with Jesus is our worship and our silence so that he can speak. Oh, my friends, I invite you into this incredible, incredible experience. And it's for everybody. I'm not special. I just want more, 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 and then some more. But he loves you too. And you also just as special. He's inviting his treasure to come feast with him. And so I just want to say to you, please just don't listen to this and think nice word and switch off and carry on with your life. I pray that something gets a hold of your heart. And that today and tomorrow, you start putting that time aside. To just love on and be loved on by Jesus. The incredible beautiful, wonderful bridegroom, the lover of your soul, who's going to lead you to be able to see and understand the heart of the Father so that you can do what the Father requires of you to do. God bless you, my beautiful friends. And until we meet again, goodbye.